Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see him for who he is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Well, hey everyone, welcome to the B4 Podcast. My name is Alex. I'm Ashley, and today we have with us Pastor Mark Nicholas. Mark, we're really happy to have you, man. And uh, we have had a series of different interviews of pastors on our staff that have gone out to plant churches. We've called the sort of network sister of churches over the last few weeks. And today um, you have been a part of B4 for what, 18 years, is that mm-hmm. right? 18 years, yeah. yeah. And you serve on staff here in our missions and outreach, local and global. And we wanted to bring you in just to get a glimpse of who you are. And also, what does it look like for our church to be engaged in the mission of God here locally, but also internationally? So we're really excited that you're here, man. Okay, yeah, I'm glad to be we're, here. We're kind of moving to, we've seen how we are being the church with our partner churches, kind of like in other places. But now we want to hone in on what does it look like for us to be the church here in right. the city of Beaverton in our yeah. own community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's something that you're passionate about. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about how you ended up where you are. How did you become a pastor? How did you end up being the missions and outreach person? A little bit about that story. Yeah, what a long, strange yeah. trip it's been. <laughs> that seems you know. to be a common theme. <laughs> Actually, I, yeah. I spent years in the business world and and was fairly successful. I mean, I was doing well. Um, and God got a hold of me when I was in my early 30s, and I had not had a Christian experience prior to that, other than I did grow up in a liturgical church, but it really wasn't something that I would sure. felt a part of. And uh, God was on a, on a hunt, and he, he got a hold of me. Primarily just through reading his word. That's really what got me. And in reading his word, I heard his voice and I responded. I wanted to know him. And uh, when I got to know him, it changed everything. It changed the entire trajectory of my life, my wife's life, our family life. And God came and lived with us. He, Jesus came and lived in our house. And when that happened, I began to have much more interest in serving God yeah. Uh, I was a volunteer here at Beaverton Foursquare. It's the first church we we became a part of, and I started to volunteer. At one point, I felt like God was saying, I want you to be a little better educated. So I went and started seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was a, it was a habit that I didn't end up finishing until I got my doctorate, <laughs> so I just kept going and learning yeah. and learning. <laughs> But it was it, it was really important. It was a good thing for me to do. It was specifically important yeah. for me to go and, and learn those things. But I'm going to tell you the real place where ministry grew and was became such a part of our life was just serving in the church. I worked most of that time. I had a chance uh, to be a senior pastor for three years. I was we called a tent maker. That's a <laughs> that we tip our hat to the Apostle Paul since he worked. I worked and I was also a pastor of a church. And uh, in about, I think it was 2004, Randy Remington, knowing I was doing a lot of those things, and actually asked me to start the Alpha program here, mm-hmm. asked if I would be interested in being part of the staff. So I started the staff, and I've now been here, as you said, for That's 18 amazing. years. Now, there's a part of your story, you know, a couple parts that I would love to revisit, um, if, you, <laughs> if you would let me. Yeah. I, I know you, and I, I, we've got a chance to get to know each other over the last seven years that I've been here. And I, I remember you sharing with me that when you came to faith in Jesus, 
you were, um, <laughs> and you said you fell in love with Jesus through reading his word, but you were actually at like some Christian networking <laughs> yeah. business thing. Yeah. And yeah. you did not go yeah. because you were interested in Jesus. No. You went because you were interested in the network for business. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I considered myself Christian. I didn't sure. know that there was anything more than, yeah, I grew up in a church kind of environment, mm -hmm. so I'm Christian. And when I was invited to this thing, it was a lot of business leaders, and I was real psyched to go and make contacts and, you know, find a few clients and, you know, sell <laughs> sure. some sell yep. some wares, you know? Yeah. So yeah. when I showed up, I sat at a table with a group of people, and uh, I began to, in my prideful and eloquent way, kind of own the table and be right. cool. And I and one of the guys there was uh, really a history buff, and so am I. I, I especially loved... World War II history. I love Civil War history, Revolutionary history. Mm -hmm. I really know it, and I and I enjoy it. So we ended up with this fun kind of discussion, and everybody was engaged. Everyone was watching us, and I knew this was awesome. And at one point, <laughs> all eyes on Mars. Yeah, 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 it was. It was yeah. great. You know, yeah. I, was, I was in the room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And at one point, the guy I was talking to began to reference things that were from a completely Christian and biblical worldview that I didn't know. Hmm. And I started to get a little bit tripped up in my conversation, and I was getting a little—it was getting a little awkward, and I wanted it to kind of stop. And at that point, he looked at me and he said, "Have you ever read the Bible?" Hmm. And I said, "Yeah, of course. I grew up in church; we read it every week." He goes, "No, no. I mean, open it up and read it, one end to the other." And I said, well, no. And he goes, wow. He goes, for someone who knows so much about history, you're absolutely ignorant of the foundation <laughs> of Western culture. That's a bit shocking. And I looked at this guy like, this with this. This is a challenge and I will beat you. <laughs> I did, I did. First of all, I, I looked at him with the steeliest eyes I yeah. could that said, we're done now. I was yeah. completely embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was an awkward moment for everybody sure. at the table. And he had the audacity to hang around afterwards to wait to say hi. He stood by the door, and I was wow. saying hello to other people I knew. <laughs> I avoided leaving until I couldn't help it, and I was going to walk by. Hey, it was so nice to meet you. Hey, if you ever want to get a hold of me, here's my card. And all I could mm. think of was, man, I'm going to tear this up on the way out the door. Hey, and I never but you made a connection. Again. You networked at you that You did network, just <laughs> not did. the way you wanted to. I did. <laughs> but I, I immediately, like that day, I went out and bought a Bible. Mm. Wow. And I spent the month, next month reading that Bible, wow. cover to cover. Wow. And I only did it so that I could, in my <laughs> prideful way, send a note to this clown and yeah. say, okay, I read it, so what? I knew all this. But that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I met Jesus instead. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever get in contact with that guy again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I contacted him. I thanked him and, yeah. and got to know him a bit. He was actually a a, a pretty big deal in the in in the world of Christianity. I mean, a well known man, uh, and uh, he uh, he was kind and thoughtful. Yeah, and you know, really I got cool. to I got to meet him when I went to Washington D.C. Was where he was out of. He yeah. he he had a ministry out of Washington D.C. called International Ministries. But that's, ama that's it's awesome. amazing yeah. that like competition and a little bit of pride and embarrassment <laughs> led you to the feet of Jesus. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that was my Achilles heel. Okay. <laughs> You said another thing in, in it all, and I, I just couldn't help but laugh. You said you needed to be more educated, and so you went to seminary. But you're a guy who had already held, like, a master's degree in, like, is it geology or something? Ge geotechnical engineering. Geotechnical engineering. Okay, that's way like, more complicated than geology. <laughs> Apparently, I see, like I said, I, I just, he's way more educated than I am, obviously. <laughs> But it's interesting because I learned from you one day we were in a the the back you and I which we're both not small humans but we were in the back of a 
um, what is the electric hybrid cars? The, the uh, Prius? Honda Prius. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Toyota. Uh, yes. yes, my bad. <laughs> Sorry, Honda and Toyota. I uh, got you confused. We were in the back of a Prius and you shared this long story about how your background in geotechnical engineering kind of came into your current world as well yeah. and some of the work that you were doing. And um, gosh, I'd be so, I mean, we're here. You, you teed the ball up, so hit it. Like, okay. what has that actually been <laughs> well, looking that was, like? Well, that was pretty interesting because I started, I cut my teeth on serious hard engineering. I mean, I worked on mm -hmm. fairly significant building projects and uh, worked on the um, on the Baltimore Tunnel System, worked on wow. um, worked on the Amex Exchange, uh, uh, actually preparing the tunnels and the subways. I worked on uh, uh, mine subsidence, dams, a lot of different projects early in my career. That's what mm -hmm. I started doing. And one of the things I had to do a lot in that was groundwater and hydrology. So that was a that's a normal part of what you do when you're doing that kind of engineering. And and once I got into the I got into project management and pretty soon I was into more of the executive side of the business. And I ended up moving into a much more corporate executive type role in my career and really moved far from that level of engineering. Mm -hmm. And I just always thought it was a nice little stepping stone. Um, and then I was in uh, was in Haiti. And there was a real need for water. The water there, mm -hmm. all the systems had been broken and people were drinking surface water and they were getting sick. Mm -hmm. And so I got involved in coming up with water solutions. There's another man at the church here who also has a, he's got a background in hydraulic engineering. So he did the above ground, I did the below ground. <laughs> yeah. And we, yeah, we both started doing um, water systems for people who are really distressed throughout throughout that area. And I found, what's this riot? I haven't done this kind of engineering since I was like paid for it. <laughs> and now we're doing it as part of our ministry. And it's led to a lot of projects. We've done projects in India, Nepal, um, Guatemala, uh, the South Pacific, and yeah. quite a few places. And and most recently in Venezuela, which we did over the internet and through, through translators. <laughs> That's amazing. And put in which a municipal insane. system to care for a, a village of 500 people That's who had amazing. not had running water for five years. Right. Mm. Which this stuff evolved into your doctoral thesis yeah. and, and project, yeah. right? Yeah, I actually, I actually talked about um, how to train people in doing this. Uh, really, it's a community development through water mm -hmm. and how to train people who are um, not engineers. They're, they're not able to do this kind of thing, but we came up with stepping stones, Jim and I, Jim, Jim Pringles, yeah. the hydraulic yeah. engineer, yeah. that could be very useful for people to be able to uh, go into their community as a pastor and bring one of the most needed things they have. So it really does show the church when the pastor leads this kind of thing as caring for the community, which comes, it's, which is right out of my heart for what the church can be doing. Now, what did God teach you personally about using some of this stuff that you kind of tucked away as stepping stones, you know, years later? What 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 are some of the lessons that you learned from that? Well, I mean, God doesn't waste stuff we do. I just felt like this was so funny that this would come back. Yeah. I, I never expected it to. I yeah. There was a time or two I thought, would that ever be something I'd dust off? And I, I, I just didn't think it. But when I think of all the years that were put into learning that, that God had a purpose of that. There's another one too. I, in high school, there were different languages I could use. I learned, I decided to learn Chinese. <laughs> and uh, slightly random choice. Slightly yeah. random choice, right? Yeah. And later it and developed where did you go into to high school? Uh, in, in New York. In New York. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So not a so, huge necessarily no, no, I, population. There. I actually grew up in Illinois, but at my high school last year I spent there, and that my last two years, and I learned Chinese. Definitely and, not that many Chinese people in Illinois. Yeah. I've lived yeah. there too. <laughs> yeah. And so, so it was just fun. I learned it, and 
it's so interesting that throughout my life, my relationship with people who are Chinese yeah. um, by language, by culture, right. has just been constant until mm. finally I had a chance to minister in China as, on behalf of our church. And yeah. it's helpful to know the language, even though I don't remember right. it as well as I used right. to. Mm-hmm. What, what did you say? I just know. said, I, I, I know some Chinese, but not very well. <laughs> Could have fooled us. Your accent sounded good to me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they say I have goal. a Beijing accent. <laughs> <laughs> Must have had a Beijing teacher I in did. high school. Um, yeah, and so all of this background of yours has led you to this place where all of those things God has been using yeah. in such yeah. amazing ways, and they've helped establish partnerships with our church um, here locally, but also internationally. And I think it would be really cool if you could just share a little bit. You did already with the water wells, but what are the things that as a church— we've been a part of all over the world. Yeah, so many. I, I, I'll i try to just hit on a couple. One is just China. We've had the longest relationship with China. This goes back to 2007 when I first went there. And I went there at the request of one of the folks here at the church who said, hey, I've been giving to this organization. Would you be willing to go and 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 take a look at this? And I talked to Randy at the time, the Pastor Randy, who was our senior pastor, and he said, yeah, by all means, go. And when I went there, I had this opportunity to, uh, in Beijing, to go to a college campus and to a coffee shop. And I offered to buy coffee to anybody who wanted to hang out. And I ended up with like 12 young people. (laughs) It does. does. Every time, I do this every time. But I went there and like 12 students came over to practice English with me. Mm. And in the course of that, uh, we talked about culture, and I shared openly about Jesus Christ on the Beijing, on Peking University campus in a coffee shop, and the students were hungry and wanted to know more. Mm. One of them, a young woman who I did not know at the time was going through a very challenging time, um, decided to keep in touch with me. And based upon the conversation we had that night, she ended up giving her life to Jesus. That's amazing. And I thought, this is too good. So I brought teams back there. We brought... um, teams of people from this church over and over again, and we would work with the universities at the universities and do a cultural immersion program. And that eventually led that it's less necessary now. I want to be real clear about this. We we shifted away from that, and some people have asked why. I said, because the church in China does this really well now. Mm-hmm. And there was a we've watched a growing pattern in China where they're very, very good at this. So now we go, we have a sister church there, and they invite us to do training for their pastors and to uh, just really to have that kind of fellowship. We've sent pastors there to live there. We've right, had because Brent Mills Brent and his Mills, family yeah. were there for yep. quite some time. And we've had their pastors come and live with us. So right. there's been a really wonderful, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wonderful exchange between the two of us. And the depth of our relationship has grown. In fact, even in COVID in the beginning, when they were getting COVID, we yeah. sent them a care package, a huge care package of masks. They couldn't get mm. them and thermometers. And then when we were in the midst of it, they were sending them back to us. So. <laughs> Return the favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's been a deep relationship. Another one was India. Um, we have a community of Nepali yeah. folks here at the church. Nepali by language and heritage, but they're actually from Bhutan. They were refugees, and they lived in refugee camps. And one of the folks that were from that refugee camp started a school for Dalit and Adivasi girl, the words Dalit and Adivasi means they're really outcasts and lower caste kids, started a school for them. And it was a wonderful little school, uh, but very, very poorly resourced. So I went there and I had a chance to meet with, I meet this woman and we ended up becoming very involved with Bright Hope and ended up building uh, the facilities pretty, pretty mm-hmm. much at they are their school now. There's over 
130 kids that are at the school, in addition to another 25 kids that are now in high school and college awesome. that would never have had that opportunity. So the, these little these relationships, they start relationally. You know, mm -hmm. we, we know somebody, and then they build off of those relationships. Um, South Pacific, that was where a lot of the water projects went. Even though we'd been in Haiti, when we started going to the South Pacific at the request of the area missionary down there, he said, hey, I've got a guy who's doing water drilling. He really could use some help. Mm -hmm. So Jim and I went there, and we looked at what he was doing, and it was a, it was a very, very dam a, a damaging climate for all the people that lived there. What had happened was the— um, the town of Port Moresby, which has been known as the biggest slum in the world, it was a really hard life for the people that lived there. It was tribal people from all over. There's like 800 languages in the, mm. in the country of, wow. of um, Papua New Guinea. And people had gone and set up their own camps within this city center. And there was high crime, a lot of issues, but those were their homes. Uh, developers came in and kind of tricked and swindled a lot of the people mm. out of their property and they ended up having to move and there was nowhere for them to move. So they moved to the outskirts of Port Moresby. And they were urban people. They, lit, they drank water out of tanks and they took buses to their jobs. Now they were living in the woods. They were getting sick. They had children that were dying of typhoid. It was really it was horrendous. So Jim and I had a chance to work with the pastor there to just give him a couple of really simple ways to solve that problem. And, and I, I went to villages where they no longer have typhoid. Yeah. Some awesome. amazing things that happen yeah. um, just out of our relational connections. Now, there's a, there's a book that I think is amazing, and I think everyone should read it. Um, it's called When Helping Hurts. Yes. Yeah. And it's this idea that sometimes when our good intentions to help people, we end up actually making things worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you yes, said something that was really important, that you and Jim worked with the local area pastor. Why do we – why do you – why is that part of our ethos to work with people whose boots are on the ground there instead of just showing up and doing the thing for them? Well, for what you just said, for us just to show up and be the hero and disappear is is, is not very valuable. Mm -hmm. um, if we really care about the people that we're getting to know and we're building a relationship, then we both want what's best for each other. And when we do water projects, for instance, we don't touch anything. We don't put our hands on a single PVC pipe. We don't do anything. We don't touch the, when we put solar pumps in, we don't touch the solar arrays. We just stand there and talk and listen to them and answer questions and do some advising so that they're able to do everything they need to afterwards. And the other thing is when we first went there, um, one of the things I wanted to do was to learn how the people we were going to be with learn Mm. And and I asked the the pastor there. I said, when we come, would you show us how you do your water projects? Yeah. Can Jim and I just go so on the on, just? Yeah. We'll get in the dirt with you. We'll do whatever you're doing. You show us. Mm -hmm. And when they showed us, we learned how they learn. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is different from how we learn. They don't yeah. read it. They don't do powerpoints. So they do everything by demonstration and sure. and pictures. And so we crafted all of what we wanted to help so that they could do more of this through pictures. That's awesome. And and delivered that. Wow, that's so cool. Um, yeah. You uh, lead teams that mm -hmm. go on missions all over yeah. the world in yeah. a normal climate, right? Obviously, <laughs> yeah. the last year, a little, a little bit of a moratorium on <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, but as those opportunities start to open up and as the world hopefully begins to continue to open up a little bit more, are we planning to continue to do those oh, things? Absolutely. In fact, yeah. we're, we're the first ones we'll probably do are some things that we've been doing with the native people, um, the Tlingit and the Haida people of Southeast Alaska. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm literally leaving. You're, yeah, you're going. Yeah, I'm going up there to spend <laughs> yeah. some time working COVID on some of the things. and all, you're yeah. ready to go. Yeah, yeah they, had, they had to test me so yeah. I get on a plane. But uh, we're going to start doing those and those are 
fairly local. I mean, they're within the country, but sure. it is a, it is a it is a different culture. Mm-hmm. One of the things that when we approached Alaska. We didn't approach it as a 49th state. We approached sure. it as 12 indigenous nations. Yeah. And so when when we interface with the indigenous nations, that we want to honor and respect everything they're yeah. about yeah. and then be able to work together. And it's it's introduced Jesus to a lot of people. We, yeah. have, a, we have a missionary who himself is Native. Mm-hmm. He's the guy I'll be spending the next couple of days with yeah. who has contextualized, if you will, the gospel even with us people from the lower 48 in a way that they see Jesus for who he is. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. So our team, our church here can join those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have information in the show notes about ways to yes. connect with you. Yeah. But if, uh, say there's somebody who's wanting to connect to the things that are more local that are happening in and around Beaverton, the greater Portland metro area, what does that look like for us? Yeah, well, we've got lots lots of things that we do locally and lots of organizations that we partnered with. Probably a couple of the ones that would be interesting to people um, is English Corner. Uh, this is something where we've reached out to people who are not native speakers. We have native speakers. We put them together in relational groups. It's not like um, it, it's not it's ESL. It's not like a class. No, it's not ESL. Yeah. It's actually getting together with conversational topics about things that matter and sure. you, you, you share them with, with them. And there's a lot of cultural learning that goes on during that both ways. We're very interested in learning about the cultures of those who have come. We've had people from, we have Hindus and Muslims and, mm-hmm. and Buddhists and people who don't believe anything who have come primarily so that they could meet people that would help them with English. And, and they do a lot. They'll actually take them shopping and they'll show them how to get places and do things because they're still so new to the language. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's one. Another one is the Foster Parents Night Out. Uh, that's not going to be starting again till the fall, but this is an op- opportunity for our church and people in our church to serve a community, uh, foster kids and foster families. It's, it can be very difficult, and people are putting their best foot forward, but it can be very challenging. And mm-hmm. I know this firsthand because I have foster grandchildren. <laughs> and the um, so we've come up with a time where people could come drop off the kids. The kids are have a great afternoon with our volunteers here and the parents get a break. And it's just another way of showing the love of Jesus. Yeah. And what, cause what people don't know about foster families is you can't just hire any random babysitter. No. You, the person watching the child, if they're a foster child has to have certain certifications. Yeah. Yep. So for parents to be able to have a break, that's actually a really big deal for those. Yeah. Families. This is Washington County approved what yeah. we do here. Yeah. So yeah, we do that once a month. Um, we have something uh, just starting called the J gang. One of the folks in our, Church came up to me and said, hey, I'd like to do something where we serve people who are shut in or who are older, who don't have any ability to work on their mm-hmm. homes, and I would like to go out and care for people that way. So that's just starting up. She's already got it rolling. Awesome. Um, we've got uh, a lot of things we do with Barn School. We're going to do a soccer camp again. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it this summer. Right now, we're planning to, and that's another one. But another, another side of this is to I, I like to ask people, do you have anything you're passionate about mm-hmm. that you'd like to do? And is there a way that the thing that you already enjoy doing could be a, a, a field of ministry? Can you can you be mobilized in that way? Uh, we've seen everything from sports coaches to um, people that volunteer at schools that become uh, very engaged in ways that allow them to be in the places they need to be. There's a, there's a statement I'll make here. I, I make it a lot. Uh we bring kingdom presence into unlit places so that people will know the love of God. Mm. It's really hard to get people to come to our place. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's, there's a barrier here. It's called whatever they remember about church or what <laughs> they don't know about church. And to think that people would just randomly walk into the church, it's not, not probably going to happen. Right. It happens through invitation, personal mm-hmm. invitation by all the members of our congregation who make friendships with people. And people begin to ask, what's it about you? And they invite them. Um, another way is to go into places where we don't traditionally go. And walk alongside where the church have come alongside us. We we get ourselves into places where we're serving something the community needs. We do it alongside others. And it's just the way Jesus works, right? When we're working alongside, at some point, something comes up. Some tension, Mm -hmm. some crisis, some challenge that someone's dealing with. And those are the times when we have to be ready and interruptible. Right. Just to be able to share a life-giving, encouraging message to people. So so you're saying that if I have an idea about a way to connect and serve the people in our community, that the door is actually open to come mm-hmm. to you and say— Wide open. Hey, and what, what do you think about doing like? this? Yeah, how do we, how do, do I, walk I just that email door? Yeah. Pastor Mark? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> probably you just you know send an email to missions at b4church.org. Yeah. You grab Fabi or me or Bethany or Rick Skirmerhorn in in the hallway uh, or on a Sunday morning. You um, you just ask at the information center. You just ask. We'll if if you make the request, we will we will hunt you down. Awesome. We will <laughs> find you and talk to you about it. Yeah. But there's and there's another thing that's going on right now that has been real exciting for me, and that's in chaplaincy. A lot of people don't realize that chaplaincy is a real opportunity for outreach. And so Mm -hmm. we have traditional chaplains. They go to hospitals, they police departments, first responders, prisons. Mm -hmm. But there's also chaplains that serve with sports teams. They're Mm -hmm. high school chaplains and they're school chaplains. And there's chaplains of businesses that are trained and know how to respond in crisis situations when they come up. They might just decide to become a chaplain at their workspace and say, and, and they don't have to say, hey, I am announcing I'm a chaplain. They'll know what to do. And so any way that we can mobilize the yeah. body of Christ. This is the sleeping giant, the sure. body of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of Jesus's favorite questions was, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. And I know that that question has been asked. Uh, um, we have uh, literally asked that question, sorry, to many people in our community. But one of the ways it has been answered is the start of something called the Beaverton Resource Center. Yeah. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah. Th- this was this was something that again it was developed over some years with relationship. We've been we went over to the barn to barn school. Yeah. I just went over there literally and sat down with the principal four principals ago and said, "Hey, can you?" Can you tell me a little bit about the community? And the first principal I spoke to at that time, her name was Susan, started talking about the community in ways I had never heard anyone talk about it. She cared about the community. She knew who was here. She could tell you different ethnic and cultural groups, language groups that were here in this community and where they lived. She knew their families. And I could tell she loved them. And I thought, wow, you're doing what we are supposed to be doing (laughs) already. So I said, I'd like to come alongside and do this with you. So I said, how can we be part of what you're doing? And that opened up the door to lots of opportunities for us at that time. It began to, we began to, began to build these relationships. In the process of that, I got to know someone, her name is Lisa Montesano, who is part of the school district, whose job it is to identify homeless students. Hmm. And there's over 2,400 homeless students in the Beaverton School District. They're the invisible homeless, and they they live in cars. They live in someone's garage. They live in right. a tent. Couch they surfing. couch yeah. surf. A lot of high school couch surfers that don't have a home. Yeah. 
And she single-handedly tries to coordinate different groups that do support. Single-handedly for 2,400 students. Yeah. Wow. So, so she's not very well-resourced. And a lot of the organizations sure. she works with are not well-resourced. Right. And here we have yeah. we have assets, we have property, and we and have people. network, yeah. and we have people. Yeah. So they asked me, could we work together on this? And I talked to Brad and said, can we provide space? And he took his old office when he moved over here and said, mm-hmm. that's going to be the new Beaverton Resource Center. Wow. And so now that's, that they're already moving in. Mm-hmm. That organization, yeah, a, a group now. of organizations, there's a sign out there too, yeah, are going to be serving this community in a very meaningful way. And it's it's important. This community needs to needs to address this issue. And I want, as the church, to be part of addressing that and solving that problem. And that's just one of many things that, yeah. like, 2020 was a really weird year in a lot yeah. of ways. We all mm-hmm. admit that. But we've actually done some really cool things in the last year, and even as 2021 has started. You always have a lot of stories about things that are going <laughs> on. And I just wanted to kind of give you open mic for, like, what are some of the coolest stories that you've seen in the last year of ways that mm-hmm. our church has been able to partner and serve our community? Yeah, this has been the big surprise. I mean, as hard as the COVID year has been, and I'm not going to minimize how sure. hard it's been, there were doors opened to us that never, mm-hmm. ever would have been opened had it not been for the year of COVID. I mean, yes. starting with a phone call I got from the school district saying, hey, you can do something we can't do. Would you mind making 140 sandwiches and 120 sandwiches at the time and delivering them to some families that you know? We already knew mm-hmm. the families through our relationships. And so that ballooned and kept growing, and they kept asking us to do more and more. And pretty soon, we became a, an emergency food distribution center for the Oregon Food Bank, and we served 1,400 families. And we, were, we had a whole operation with multiple churches serving alongside us and working with the schools directly. The staff would come by and pick up the boxes. And our relationship so deepened with the school um, and with, with a lot of people. And keep in mind that when we're in those things, it's not, a, it's not like we're— it's not a quid pro quo. I'm not saying oh, we'll do this now. You got to come to church. I mean, mm-hmm. I, first of all, that doesn't. We don't work. have those kinds of stipulations. It doesn't work. But what's interesting is how many people were drawn to coming and finding out more about Jesus mm-hmm. because they saw this effort and said, "There's something going on there that is that is life giving," mm-hmm. and I believe that's what the church is. We should be life giving, mm-hmm. and, and it's not about trying to trying to coerce or proselytize. I mean, nobody wants people to come to Jesus more than me. I came to Jesus late in my life. I needed Jesus. Mm-hmm. I had a thirst that could not be satisfied. I lived in a world without him, and it's not a fun world to live in. There's a lot of people, they're lonely. They're afraid. They're, they're dealing with crisis. Right. They deal with it all the time, and Jesus is standing there. It's like I was wandering thirsty in the rain, and yeah. when, I, when yeah. I realized there was rain all around me, all I want to do is tell others about yeah. it. This is our great opportunity. Is to th- this community needs Jesus like never before. We're going to come mm-hmm. out of COVID needing Him too. And to me, the greatest thing the church can do is to be there in those places to do it. We had that opportunity. I have another one I want. I've got to share. Yeah, it's so go. much fun. Please. This one comes with names. Um, it's uh, Samantha, Manny, Michael, Juan, Cadmiel, Miguel, and Lalo. Mm-hmm. These are seven young high schoolers that come to our church every day, and they have a little high school pod where they do all of their work. They're seniors. We got to know them when we did a soccer camp over 10 years ago, <laughs> when they were students at Barnes School. We got to know them and love them. Well, when they get to junior high, they kind of age out. There's no right. soccer camp anymore, mm-hmm. and they're not old enough to serve, so they went into this limbo year. And one of our volunteers 
Marty Volge, who is the who ran the buses to pick the kids up, said to me, "Hey, I want to connect with those kids. Let's go start a basketball club at Meadow Park." That's so right. he and I started a basketball club, and these kids were there. They mm -hmm. came to join that basketball club, and after we did that, we started inviting them to other things. We invited them because we we liked them. We liked right. being around them, so we invited them to help with the after school program. Yeah, was another cool thing we were able to do. Yeah, and they became the homeroom teachers. Yeah, who were respected by the other kids. They were hardworking. They wanted to do well. This COVID year, they didn't have access to the network they needed or to the resources mm -hmm. they needed. And some of them were at risk of finishing school. A couple school. of them, I think, had even said that yeah, they, they were going to drop out. So we said, no, brought them in here. <laughs> and they're going to graduate. Yeah. yeah. It, this, you know, yeah. I remember Brad said, we'll do for some what we wish we could do for everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was just that sense that, yeah, we want to say yes because we do love these kids. And I, I, I would think anyone that would tell you, the trajectories of their lives have been right. so changed. Yeah. Well, and it's not, I, I I mean, I was talking to Katie O'Rannon who oversees this yes. pod and, and she was sharing with us that it's not just that they're going to all graduate high school, mm -hmm. but a few of them have actually now been the first in their families to be accepted into college yeah. and to get, um, you know, scholarships to yeah. go to yeah. college, which is just With amazing. really good majors, like right. mechanical engineering. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They're a really good group of kids. Yeah. Bobby and I have done a cooking class a couple of times yeah. with them. Yeah. And it's, and even that, like a couple, yeah. one of the guys, they're like, we want to get him to go to culinary school yeah. because he just comes he's, alive yes, when yes. he's chopping vegetables, which yeah. is adorable. One of but, our, yeah, our residents, awesome. Josiah, who has been on the podcast as well, also got to take them through a pottery class, yeah. which was super cool. <laughs> and they've been doing and financial peace. They've done yeah, all yeah, kinds they, of stuff. It's been amazing. So just by being around them and just keep in mind, it's just fun to be around them. Yeah, it's not like this fun. is this is no effort for us, but we get to disciple, teach, encourage, and celebrate with them as they're making some of the biggest life decisions they'll be able to make at, at yeah. this point in their lives. So that's another one of those celebrations could not have happened. It really came about because we knew them. Yeah, relationship. And something happened and we were able to be there. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Mark, is there anything else that you would like to tell us about missions or anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to talk about before we let you go? Yeah, I think for me, I I would love to encourage people. If you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, boy, I think that sounds great, I would encourage you. Um, first of all, just pray. Pray what God would ask of you. Um, if you want to get involved with one of our big projects or something that we're doing, you know, get a hold of us and do it. But maybe you've got your own idea. Maybe you've got something creative you could do, um, whether through a chaplaincy training or just something like just when Marty idea. when Marty came to me and said, hey, let's yeah. do a basketball club. Mm -hmm. um, but let's be out there. Let's mobilize so that we can be alongside people when life happens because it will happen and God will give us. If we're interruptible, God will, Jesus will make the opportunities happen right. for someone to turn to you and ask a question. And I can't think of anything more gospel-centered than that. We were told to... We were called to make disciples. By the way, that was the only imperative in that in that thing. Make disciples, and then it says, while going, and baptize, and teach. So the, the command was to make disciples, and we make disciples by being with people. Mm -hmm. And the more we can be around those who don't know Jesus, the more they can see what Jesus has done for us. In the book of Acts, it says, you will be my witnesses when the power comes upon you. What is a witness? Someone just tells what they saw, right? What happened yeah. to me? So yeah. that's my encouragement. I would just say, if you're if you're listening to this podcast and think I want to be involved, begin to pray and think about what is my part where mm -hmm. I am. 
let me move beyond what I've been doing into what God is calling me to do. Yeah. I want to partner with God in the renewal of all things. That's so good. Well, Mark, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with us. I know that this was so good for our people to hear. Mm -hmm. And I also, if you're listening, and just as a reminder in our show notes, there's ways that you can get connected to the things that we have been talking about. Um, Ashley, how do people follow us and review this podcast? Yes, if you enjoyed this episode today, we would encourage you to share it with a friend. That is the best way that we, you know, people, new people find us. Word of mouth. It's the best form of advertising. Um, also, make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. Uh, if you're on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review. We'd love to know how you're thinking and feeling about our podcast, and we will see you next week. Well, hey, everybody, thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit b4church.org for more information. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can even take a screenshot and share it on social media if you like. Tag us at b4church. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.